Please remain standing as we join together in reading God's Word. This morning we'll be looking at a passage of Scripture from Psalm chapter 20, verses 7 and 8. Let's share in reading God's Word together. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall. But we rise up and stand firm. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. (laughs) And you thought that the Falcons came up with that victory chant. It's been our rallying cry long before the Falcons were even in existence. You probably know that there's a football game going to be played this afternoon, and I suspect that all of us are going to be watching that game. And so I've decided this morning to frame my message in that context. See, rather than trying to grab your attention away from that game momentarily, which I know I couldn't do if I tried, I'm going to join you there. And hopefully, in the midst of it all, we'll hear a word from God. One of, without a doubt, the most hilarious descriptions I've ever heard of football is that description that Andy Griffith gave a number of years ago entitled, What It Was Was Football. Now, some of you are too young to remember Andy Griffith, but uh, some of you will remember this. Now, he's describing a country fella who goes to a stadium. He thinks he's going to a a revival meeting, okay? But he gets there, and it's something else that he has never seen before. I want to read a portion of it to you. And what I've seen was this whole raft of people sitting on these two banks and looking at one another across this pretty little green cow pasture. Somebody had took and drawn white lines all over it and drove post in it. And I don't know what all. And I looked down there and I seen five or six convicts running up and down and blowing whistles. About that time, I sat down. Good. I looked down there and I seen 30 or 40 men come running out of one end of a great big outhouse down there. And everybody where I was a sitting got up and hollered. So I got up and hollered. When I sat back down, I seen that the men had got in two little bitty bunches down there, real close together, and they voted. They elected one man apiece. And them two men came out in the middle of that cow pasture, and they shook hands like they hadn't seen one another in a long time. Then a convict came over to where they was a standing and he took out a quarter and they commenced to odd man right there. And while it while I seen what I seen after all after a while I seen what it was they was an odd man in for. It was that both bunches of them men wanted this funny looking little pumpkin to play with. And I know, friends, they couldn't eat it because they kicked the thing the whole evening long and it never busted. (laughs) Both bunches 
wanted that thing. One bunch got it and made the other bunch just as mad as they could be. Friends, I seen things that evening, the awfulest fight I ever have seen in all my life. They would run at one another, kick one another, throw one another down, and stomp on one another and grind their feet in one another, and I don't know what of them. And just as fast as one of them got hurt, they'd take him off and run another one on. I don't know, friends, to this day what it was that they was a-doing down there. But I have studied about it. I think it was that it's some kind of a contest where they see which bunch full of them men can take that pumpkin and run from one end of that cow pasture to the other without getting knocked down or stepping in something. (laughs) Well... The tradition continues. Football. The the National Football League is 32 teams who make a living by carrying a ball across a goal line. That's it. And at the end of the season, the two best teams, they meet together in a big game called the Super Bowl. And the purpose of that game is to see which of the two can carry that ball over that goal line more than the other team. People will spend thousands of dollars for tickets. The players are going to get hundreds of thousands of dollars in bonuses. Uh, Advertisers are going to pay up to $5 million for a one-minute commercial. But at 6.30... We're going to stop what we're doing, and we're going to watch that game. And we're going to make a big fuss about it, because especially this year since the Falcons are playing. But at the end of the day, it is nothing more than two teams trying to see who can carry a ball over that goal line the most times. You and I will probably never play in a Super Bowl. With the exception of some of these young men down here, most of us will probably never be drafted on an NFL team. He says he's going to be. But that's not true for most of us. But I want to remind you this morning that you and I are on a team. And this team is far more important than any football team. And and this team's purpose is is infinitely more important than carrying a ball across the goal line. You and I are on a team we call the church. It also goes by the body of Christ. This team was started with 12 players. They were called apostles. And that team has been growing ever since. And if you've ever made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, the moment you said yes to Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you became at that moment a member of this team. And you are an extremely important component 
of the team's success. I want you to think this morning about how the team that we're on, the church, is more important than any team out there. A couple of, the, couple of things to think about. First of all, the goal of our team is not to win games. The goal of our team is to win people. The very first members of our team were fishermen. And one day, Jesus came along and he recruited them to be on the team. And he said, all right, from now on, you're not going to be fishing for fish anymore. You're going to be fishing for people. That is and always has been and hopefully always will be the focus, the purpose for which this team has been brought together is to win people to Christ. Unfortunately, sometimes we in the church, we, we forget that. We like to think of ourselves as keepers of the aquarium. We just kind of take care of the fish that are already in the aquarium. Okay? But Jesus said, we're to be fishers of men. We're to be finding people who don't know Christ, who don't know the love of God, and move them toward God. You see, our goal is not to move a ball down the field, but to move people toward God. Some of you might remember Greg Brzezina, great member of the Atlanta Falcons squad back in the 90s. Uh, Greg made a real name for himself on the football field, but he's doing something now even more important. He, he lives in Noonan, by the way. Uh, and a couple of months ago, he spoke to our United Methodist Men's uh, Dinner. And he has started a ministry, a uh, Christian counseling ministry, which basically helps people grow in their walk with Christ. And Greg Brzezina would tell you today that of all the accomplishments he had on the football field, none of them hold a candle in level of importance to the things that he is accomplishing today, winning people to faith in Christ. That's our goal. That's what makes our team different. We're not to win games. We're here to win people. Think about this second difference. Our goal on our team is not to fill a stadium for an afternoon. It's to fill heaven for eternity. God's Word says, It is not the Father's will that a single one should perish. God's desire is that every person walking this planet comes to know Jesus Christ, experiences salvation, and therefore lives in eternity with Him. That's why our team has been placed here. To tell people who don't know it yet that there's a God in heaven who loves them, who forgives them, and who, who desires not only to, to give them life here and now, but to give them life forever with Him. And that they matter to him. When I got to church this morning for the 8.30 service, uh, there was this beautiful Alaskan Husky dog at the door, standing outside the door to the church offices. It was obviously lost. Some of our members saw the dog and stopped everything they were doing, pulled out their cell phones, looked at the phone number on the collar, called the owner, and the owner came and got the dog. And I'm real grateful for what they did. And every one of us would have done the same thing. If there's a lost dog that shows up, we're going we're gonna to give attention to that. But you know, it made me think about that all morning long. 
We'd stop whatever we're doing to help a lost dog. Are we equally concerned about all the lost people walking around in this community who don't know God? Do we lose sleep at night knowing that there's some lost people who don't yet understand that they matter to God? That's our goal is to fill heaven for eternity. And if there are people out there who don't, who, who don't know Christ, then our job's not done. Think about this difference between our team and other teams. Our goal is not to score the most points. Our goal is to love the most people. Listen, the world can be a dark and lonely place. It can be a scary place. It can be a hurtful place. And there needs to be a place, there need to be a people who extend love and compassion and kindness and concern for people that are hurting, people that are lonely, people that are the poor, the forgotten, the neglected. That's why we are here. To love as many as we can. You know what I hope will be true of this church? It's true already, but I hope that in the, day, in the years ahead, it'll even be more true. If we go into this city and, and we ask somebody in Coweta County, what do you know about Noonan Methodist Church? In addition to them saying, oh, that's that church that has those beautiful stained glass windows. In addition to that, I hope they'll say, oh, Noonan Methodist Church? That's that church that loved me when I was going through a time of crisis and I didn't think anybody cared about me. That, that's that church that, that invited me in and prayed with me when I was going through a real difficult time. That's that church that told me about a God who, who forgives me. And I received God's forgiveness because I was living a life of, of despair and guilt and shame. Noonan Methodist Church, that's that church that loves people. It goes out of their way to help people know the love of God. Think about this difference between our team and others. Our team is not to make our city or our fan base proud. Our goal is to make God proud. To please God and Him alone. You ask a football team, one of the most important things for them to do is to please the fan base, keep the fan base happy. I see a lot of efforts today by churches please the fan base, to, to, feed, to please the, the surrounding culture by becoming more like it. Taking on its values, embracing its beliefs and its practices. But I'm afraid, I fear that in the process we're displeasing the God who created us and who calls us to be salt 
and light to make a difference in the world. These are crucial times for the church. Crucial times for the church. We need to be asking ourselves this question. Why are we imitating the world when the world should be imitating us? You think about that. Why are we imitating the world when the world should be imitating us? We need to remind ourselves that, that listen, our role as a church is not to conform, it's to convert. And sadly, I look at a lot of churches today, there seems to be a whole lot more conforming going on than there is converting. Imagine a, a team in the middle of a game. They're out there on the field and all of a sudden the team decides that they're not going to listen to the coach anymore. Now, the coach is over there on the sideline and he's got the game plan. They've been over it in practice. Uh, they know it's a good game plan and the coach is sending in signals. But the team decides they're going to ignore the coach and rather than listen to him, they're going to start listening to all the competing voices up in the stands. What's going to happen to that team? It's just a matter of time before they become confused, lose their focus, and they're most likely going to lose that game. That's what happens to the church if it makes pleasing culture more important than remembering to be faithful and pleasing God. There's going to be a football game today. Listen, I hope the Falcons win. I'm going to go on record. Some of y'all thank me for the prayer I made two weeks ago before the playoffs. I hope the Falcons are going to win, but listen, whoever wins, whoever wins, the world tomorrow morning is pretty much going to be exactly the same. Nothing that happens on that field is going to shape the future and make the world a better place. That's not the case with our team. Our team has the opportunity to make a huge difference. The world will be shaped. The world can be formed by how well we play the game. But more appropriately, how we fulfill the mission that God has given us. Our passage today says... Some trust in chariots, some in horses. A metaphor for the world's sources of power and strength. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. I'll suggest you this morning that at a time in which the church's influence is waning in our culture, this is not the time to retreat. This is a time to rise up. At a time in a, in a world in which there's uncertainty and chaos and confusion, people are looking for truth, but they don't seem to know where to find it, it's time for the church to rise up. And no longer do with playing church, but to rise up and be the people of God that God calls us to be. In a world of poverty, where there's tremendous um, hatred and violence, 
and, and poverty and, and homelessness. It's time for the church to rise up and offer a word of hope and engage even more in acts of kindness and love, as we already are. At a time when morality and goodness seem to be in short supply, it's time for the church to rise up. So I'm glad that the Falcons came up with that little phrase. It's worked pretty good for them this year. But it's even more important that we understand it, that we live it, because the task that we're a part of, the team we're a part of, really does matter. There's no more important work in all the world. Every football player knows the importance of the pregame meal. That pregame meal is where they get the nourishment and the sustenance to go out and perform their best on the field. In order to prepare us, the church, to take the field, let's come to the table where we find that which nourishes us, which hopefully emboldens us to rise up. Let's pray together. Oh God, we thank you for the privilege of being a part of the church. We ask forgiveness, Father, for the times in which maybe we have not realized the importance of the team. We've under, underestimated the, the, the power of the team to, for, for good. We pray, oh God, you forgive us for seeking to be the team without the empowerment of you, the source of our strength and our life. Just pray, oh God, that in the simple act of receiving the sacrament that we will be fed in our hearts and minds and that we'll be reminded that we're on a team that has the opportunity to do marvelous things and it is a great privilege to be a part of his life. In the name and spirit of Christ we pray. Amen.